February 1st is when God came into my house. And when Patty and I were talking about this, we realized that the Os Asbury started the 3rd? The 8th. The 8th, okay. And we thought that was really interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay, God. Um, I know we're all crying out for him. I know we all want to see God move in our presence, in our church services, in our lives, in our families. And the, the, the main thing that I kept saying over and over, what it was all about him. It's all about you, God. It's all about you. And um, I had read a scripture and did you put that in here Pastor yeah I had read that morning I read Jim Hawkins's whatever they are Facebook and he just sits just like talking to him again you know and and um, he went to Ephesians 4 23 and 24 and I'm just going to read what he posted. It says, We need to be reminded of the eternal love that God has for us as his creation. I felt the closeness of God most of my life. As a child, a teenager, and an adult, I've lived with an awareness of the eternal realm. I've also felt the tension that exists between what I see and know in the earthly realm and what I see and know in the heavens. It seems so natural, though, living by our senses and in the earth. So there is a constant need for renewing our minds to the eternal. And so he wrote down the scripture and he said, So we press on in the earthly realm with our heavenly perspective of the eternal love of God <clears throat> that has been gifted to us through Jesus. Wow. That's, to me, a, that's a statement. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. <clears throat> I read that, and I was like, wow, that's, there's something there, God. That, it just grabbed me. And underneath it, he had put um, uh, Joe, Joe Hawkins, and it had been about Peoria and, and what God wants to do through Peoria um, for this, revival or whatever we want to call it and <clears throat> so I listened to that and midway through it <laughs> he was talking about Azusa Street and Brownsville just different revivals that people have seen I did not live through but you know people knew about and the things that God did and so I'm listening to Joe talk about this and he started talking about the man who um, was praying over the people at Azusa Street. Okay, and I'm not sure who that is. William Seymour. Thank you, you said. Okay. Yes, I knew somebody told me the name. And so he was talking about this man and how people would, were coming forward. And um, the, the one man had said, I've lost, I've lost my arm. For, from working somehow and he said I need it to work and so this man just put his hand on him and said Jesus use it was so 
interesting because what this man prayed was so simple that we would think simple, but it was, God, this is you, and you're going to heal this man and give him his, his, his arm back. And um, Joe said immediately that arm started growing, and they watched it. And that's when I started weeping because I was like, God, I, what would I do if I'm in your presence like that and you do that for somebody? What am I going to do? What, how do I respond to your greatness and your goodness? And it's right here in front of my face. And I know I've seen God move, but I've never seen that. So then he went on to another person that um, came up with his leg gone had lost it in an injury and he said you know I, I need my leg so that I can work and and every time it was like they wanted to work so they could give to God and give to people it wasn't like a it was more about what I can't do and I really want to do this <clears throat> and so once again Joe said they watched this leg grow out I can't imagine what that would be like is to watch someone's life change like that and what God was doing in those revivals to let people know how much he loved them. It was just it was just like God was just sitting there in my living room. So once once I got through that, I just I just started worshiping the Lord and all I could say was it's all about you God. It's not about who's doing it and this is what something that Joe had said. It's not about who's doing it. It's not about who's leading worship. It's not about, it's about God. And we need to let God be God and what he wants to do. And that's what we see in Asbury this time, how sweet and how uh, gentle the Holy Spirit has been moving. Did you guys watch any of that? How many people? They were just these are just normal people standing in line for hours to get into a place where they, they, they are saying God is in there. That was, that was in myself was like, that's a miracle, God. These are people that I don't know if they know you or not. And they said some did, some didn't. Some just wanted to see it, to make fun of it, and ended up getting saved. So, I mean, it was just, that was amazing to me. Anyway, so... Um, I I felt like I wanted <clears throat> Patty to know what was going on. So I just called her and weepingly, I don't know what I said to her, but I just wanted her to know what God was doing. Because and you said only God can prepare only, us. Yes, right, right, okay. And in the middle of 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 this that we wrote down, um Two years probably before you guys came, the Lord had told me to get ready. I don't know why. I had no clue. Patty and Dorla and I prayed together every week, uh, mainly for Pastor Jim and Michelle, so that they would have uh, intercession prayer over them and um, Debbie uh, sometimes. So, I mean, it was just God put us all together. It wasn't us. We just... God just said, I want you three to do that. Okay. So that's a couple years before that. I heard that. And I told Patty, I said, I don't know what that means. And I said, we're just going to have to pray into it. I didn't know. Patty didn't really have, you know, right then, Dorla. 
And so I hung on to that for two years. Never really saw anything about how do I do that? How do we get ready? I don't know what that means. And so when you guys came, Barry, first thing out of his mouth, God says, we need to get ready. I went, okay, this is twice a night. I said, I don't know what that means, Lord. And so I just told the Lord, I said, okay, okay, now, here we are. We're, we're moving forward. And our pastor now has declared that you've told him we need to get ready. How do we do that? What do we do? And so as I was praying, I heard the Lord say that he was going to prepare us to be used by him. Okay. But it still didn't ring with me. I just wasn't sure what that meant or how did, what that looked like, I guess. And so when the Lord was just there in the room and I felt like I needed to call Patty was because that's what he said, that he was going to be the one to prepare us to be used by him. That seems so simple. But to me, it was such a revelation. There's nothing I can do to myself to make me ready for what I spoke about in Azusa Street. There's nothing that God can do or I can do to help myself do that. And so I called Patty and I just told her and I didn't call her to come particularly. I just wanted her to know that we had her, I had heard what God had meant by get ready those many years ago and she said i'm coming i'm coming okay okay and i'm weeping and i'm like i don't know what to do god this is so awesome and then like within a second i just heard this the these thoughts oh you need to clean up your living room and i'm like well, i need to clean up my living room and so I'm, I don't know, I'm just bawling and throwing and I'm like, and he, I walked to my bedroom door, which is right by my living room, and the Lord stopped me and he said, Martha and Mary. And I went, oh my. What I had done is that quickly moved from hearing God and being in his presence to I have to clean my living room. I... I couldn't believe it. And I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I repented. I said, Lord, I, I am so sorry that so quickly I let my thoughts take over what you're doing. So I just dropped it all, left it there, don't care. And it was, I told Patty later, I said, it was such a, an object lesson for me because you read about Mary, Martha and what was going on. But for this particular purpose, the Lord was like, you need to keep your thoughts on me. You need to keep your, your, your eyes on me. So I let that go. And she got there and she brought Debbie. I'm like, where are these people coming from? Okay. And I'm still weeping. And I'm still crying. And I, I, they read the scripture that, that I had read. I told them about what I, what I had heard from Joe on his... Um, um, what God had showed him on what's coming to Peoria in the, in the area. He says, it's just not Peoria, it's everybody. And I thought that was awesome that he was including everyone, not just their church. Everybody's a, a part of this if we know Jesus. So um, what am I leaving out, Patty? Um, let's see. 
Okay, so then <clears throat> they were there for a while. I don't know how long. And she was talking, Pat, Deb was talking, I was worshiping and crying. And then she, she copied, she took her um, phone, she turned on her phone and record, recorded the end of, of it while they were there. So I really would like to do that. I would like you to hear. I mean, it's like five yeah, minutes. Absolutely. and <clears throat> But I, I just feel like we, God wants, and we've been praying, God wants to use this body. I mean, we know that. We know that we know that. And, and I got an answer to my question of how do we do this. And when he said, it's, it's going to be me. It's going to be all me. Um, it's not going to be anybody or any person particularly maybe running the show but God. And that's I know that's your hearts. And so um, when, I, when I told Patty and Debbie, and then they, she told Sharon, so then Sharon called me and asked me if I would just tell you, like, what happened. Um, I was not prepared for that at all. I was not prepared to feel his presence but when they started talking about, are you, what do you, how, I don't know how to get ready. I don't know what to do. But in my heart, it's like, God, we just have to have you. We just have to have everything about you. Um, it can't be show. It can't be, you know, only this person can do it. It's all about the body. It's all about us just giving ourselves to the Lord and letting him do the work. Um, and it doesn't matter what he asks us to do. And I think that that is the main thing is when we come to church and we're here, we want to flow with God. We want what God wants for the people and for our church and for the kids and, and, the, and the new people that are coming in. We want what God wants for them. And I think this is going to I mean, not, not me, but God's going to change our heart to see that, that, that we just need to be who God needs us to be for the people that are hurting, the people that need him, the people that um, are truly saying, hey, God, I don't have the answers, but you do, and I need you. I need you more than anything else. So she's going to play this just so you can get an idea of kind of where we were that day. And I have it, and I can read it, but I think it's, I think hearing it will be. I'm sorry, what? No, go ahead. Okay. You're fine. I can turn it. Was it was it hearing? Was it going on the mic? It's not going on the mic. Let's see. Let me let me do this. Go back to Barb. We'll start again. At first, I thought this was Sharon talking. I don't. I didn't know my voice. Prophesy, Father, what you want, what you're doing. Now we can go into all of the world and preach your gospel. Tell the people about who you are. To let them know that you are alive. 
that you are real, that you are God. So, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise God. Give us all a, all the same heart after you. And it just is you. It, just, it has to be you. It has to be you because you're the one doing it. You're the one. You're the one. It's your Holy Spirit. It's your ways, your purposes we want. Not our own, God. Forgive us for the way we want to do things the way we want. And we just want what you want. We have to want what you want. And we do. Show us where we don't. God, we want what you want. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Can we just give up those things that we think we want? Or we think you should do. We just want what you want, God, because you know what we need. You know what we need, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you,
anything we're holding on to god just help us to let it go you helped me let it go <laughs> no one easy but i know it's you oh thank you jesus I just started talking and I shouldn't have. <laughs> <clears throat> Since that's recording, can you send that to us? I, could, I think I can download it. I don't know how to. Here's what I said. I should give it to you. Yeah, I couldn't really hear it. So okay. it, it'll, be, just, it'll be on Women of Purpose's uh, oh, okay. website. Okay, thank you. Okay. She, did kind of, she did you type it out. Because I'm having a hard time finding things. If you go into. Um, newpointchurch.life yeah. go under ministry and you'll go under women's and then it'll okay. say women of purpose and then just click on okay. the latest I can make copies in the back of that too so that's kind of <laughs> everything to share this is because um, there's going to be a move of God. There's, there's going to be. We can miss it. I don't think anybody here wants to miss it. And I have um, I don't even know where to start. I was going to go back to uh, <clears throat> where uh, Barry and Janice and I, we all went to Phoenix and we saw, uh, well, it was a good conference, let's just put it that way. A lot of good things were spoken. <clears throat> um, the last night that we were there is when I fell. And a lot has happened since I took that fall. Um, I had time to sit in God's presence in a way that I haven't for a long time. Um, I feel like I personally went through a lot of things just between me and God. Um, I feel like he's telling all of us to get ready. And like Barb, you say, what does that mean? What does that mean? I feel like one of the things that God is saying is position yourself. By positioning yourself, you put yourself in his presence because that's where everything happens. Everything happens in his presence. And uh, I've had a few of those happenings. And when those happenings you're involved, you come out of it with God so much greater, 
so much bigger that you see him in a way that maybe you never have before. And I know that here lately it's like, oh God, we're nothing. That's what it just about amounts to. We really are nothing, and yet he chose us to be instruments of what he's doing here in earth. And it's um, pretty sobering, but at the same time, I know we look around us and we see the world falling apart. We see all of the negative things that are going on. But if we looked through the eyes of the kingdom, what an exciting time it is to be alive and to serve God. And what does that mean to any one of us? It doesn't mean we have to have this big ministry and, and be in the limelight or, or doing anything that's especially special. Because this is one of the reasons that I wanted Barb to share it is because it fits so perfectly in where I wanted to go in today's lesson. And um, I think that day that Barb had that happening, that she saw the magnitude of God in a very special way. And that's what I'm praying for all of us, is that we have an encounter with God, that his magnitude will be so great that nothing else is going to matter. It isn't going to matter at all. It, who cares? Who cares by whose hand what something happens? Just like the, the Asbury revival, I don't know how that got started, but what's happening in this, these young people are just, it's incredible. Um, Fox News, just this morning, I was getting ready to get ready, and they interviewed these two uh, students from there. And uh, maybe it was last night, my time. Anyway, well, it was Laura Ingalls that did it. And these two students talked about how the atmosphere is just charged. And that in that atmosphere, there are people who have had uh, resentment and uh, really bad attitudes against one another, and they're seeing reconciliation just right there on the spot. This is different than most revivals. A lot of revivals, it's the exuberance and the, and the things that you see happening, but this seems to be a deposit somehow of God's love that is manifesting in the people and causing them to act different than they ever have before. And we know only God can do something that powerful. And so hearts are being changed just in the twinkling of an eye, bam, they're changed. People are leaving that place totally different than when they came. And they're coming out of curiosity, but getting captured <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. So to me, I mean, how exciting is that? And I'm not sure who it was that was in this area. I know Chuck Pierce has done some uh, prophesying about this area. Uh, being a refuge, right? You you yeah, go back. Yeah, uh huh. Okay. But there have been. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you share too. There has been something about this region has been very difficult. A lot of evangelists and people in the spiritual realm have come to this region, and they say it's like it's been 
closed off. They can't seem to break through it, but God can. And so um, back, I don't know how many years ago, Patty, you can probably tell me better than I can remember, but when Chuck Pearson, they came through here, if I remember right, and that prophecy was gigantic, what they spoke about this being a refuge. Do you want to share? Okay. <clears throat> it, it was when he saw this area, that was in 2008. So he came in 1994. Yeah. But in 2008, when he was in um, Ellis Island, supposed to um, release all the immigrant groups to fulfill their destiny in a service, God caught him up for hours. And he saw every state in the nation and saw if they had a covenant route with God or a covenant route with um, Israel. And the ones that still had a covenant route with God that hadn't been corrupted and turned bad, which a lot of some of the states had, the, the ones that still had a covenant root, he saw these free, what he called then freedom fortress centers. Now he's calling them apostolic centers. And on the, unbelievably, he had the map up in um, of Illinois, there were seven of these freedom fortress centers in Illinois, which shocked me, but thank God. <laughs> I mean, he said the map, he had all the skies, what he saw that day in Ellis Island, he saw skyscrapers, in Chicago and then down in southern Illinois he had all the wheat fields, the farm fields. But in the, those, uh, then he showed these Freedom Fortress centers and the one in the center of the state had the word Peoria and Pekin on either side of it. So it's right here. And uh, so in 2009 and 2010, Kansas City IHOP sent all five of their teams to Peoria. And at the closing of the first year, Mike Hutchins closed the, the prayer downtown with thank you, you gotta let Peoria be that city of refuge you said it would be. And so I ran up to him, cause I heard that in, in 1999, God told me that. So I said, why did you say that? He said, well, they're saying it. So he told me to go to the pastor from IHOP. So I ran up to him, he said, well, we pray in the winter where to send our teams. We usually send them all over the country, but we, people were getting in prayer that Peoria was going to be the, one of the five cities of refuge within a 500-mile region of Kansas City that God showed Mike Bickles like in the 80s. So since they were getting that, they sent all five of their teams two years in a row to Peoria to sow into this area. <laughs> and then um, when, um, when Chuck came to Peoria in 1994 for three days, we, we took them around to the prophetic, what the, our research team had found out in the history of Peoria, different things that we felt needed prayer or whatever were significant. And when we went downtown Peoria, there was a, a wedding party walking up to the courthouse to get their picture taken. And he said, the bride is getting herself ready in Peoria. The, wow. That was big. And then, a few years ago, we were up at um, Moline. Him and Dutch were going to Moline at a church there pretty regularly. And I took Marla Stewart. He had stayed in her house. I took her to meet him that day. And so he started talking during the service about Peoria. He said, I know God was ready to break out in Peoria. It was right there. I don't know what happened. It was, God was ready. 
And I'm sitting next to Marla then later, and she's saying, I know what happened. <coughs> she know what attacked it to stop it. Yeah. But he knew there was one coming. <laughs> and it's still coming. <laughs> it's still coming, and it's not stopped. The momentum is there. And then, of course, God has moved on the hearts of other people since then to pray over the Peoria area. And I know lately that um, Rosemary and Patty and a few of the people from uh, Oasis have been getting together and they're praying and some things needed to be broken through. Now, I don't happen to be one that's called to do that. I'm praying for them, but I'm not one that happens to be called. If you want to pray and seek God and see if you're one that is supposed to, I'm sure that uh, they will welcome you into their group because you meet on Thursdays, right? Is there anything you want to share on that, Rosemary? No. Okay. And we're trying to be obedient to the leading of the Lord. Right, right. Well, we know there's been a lot of corruption that has entered in through all of the portals, and those are getting broken through. And I'm expecting revival. I mean, I really am expecting it. And if you're going to talk, I need you to talk here so I can hear you. Chuck Pierce had said to do that. Chuck Pierce, when he was there in 94, said we had to put salt in the water. We couldn't get to it at that time. Nobody was there to open it up. So we went. Okay. The first place that I felt that we needed to be was downtown at the Gateway. And one day we're praying there, and it was only three or four weeks into it, and it was like I knew right then we had to close off the things that the enemy had brought through and open the gate. For the glory, the King of Glory to come in. But we have also went to a building downtown, and the lady that owned the building even came out and gave us permission to oil these gears, and we've oiled the gears for the hub. We're the hub, and we've oiled the gears so that the hub can start turning. And so, but it's been an adventure. It's been a real adventure. We've had people come, we've had people go. And the Lord woke me up one morning and said, there's 47 other people out there that he wants to bring in. So if anybody's out there and they feel the call of the Lord, we will welcome you. So that's about all I want to say. So. You want to say something real quick? Um, Chris told Roseberry Sunday that um, this one of these prophets has, is, uh, that has heard Recently, God was going to move in Australia and Peoria, Illinois. He's coming. Chris saw it somehow and told Rosemary, T Timothy Dixon, and he's bringing a worship team into the Civic Center April 21st through 23. He had said when he didn't know where Peoria, Illinois was. He thought it was near Chicago, but he said, I'm going to get a tent and go there if I have to. But it, apparently they've, they've got the Civic Center. So he's, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's exciting just to think about it and uh, that God hasn't forgotten us. And, you know, I know back years ago, <clears throat> there was a group of us that was in a prayer group, 
And one of the ladies there, uh, I don't know how she managed to do it, but she researched and had all of the history of this region and knew how it got settled, who the spiritual leaders were. She knew all about the history of the Indians, all, I mean, everything about the culture. And she prayed into it diligently. And you know, God has people that he calls specifically for things like that. And I think she was one of the ones that began a breakthrough to tear down. I just, I don't know. That wow. just, I'm that's, just excited. I feel like that's the root because I had a vision of an Indian maiden down at the river on Peoria side, wailing and weeping for her land because they were taking it away from her. And I think that's the deepest root that you can ever go to for this area. Wow. The sins that we committed against the Indians. Wow. Our God is alive and well <laughs> and on the throne. Hallelujah. So, um, wow, praise God. So, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I'll see where I go. <laughs> okay. Do me to use this or that? This okay? Yeah. Okay. This one? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been a long time, like I said, since we've been in Romans. And I can see why God had us in Romans. I didn't know at first. But Romans is the book that best describes the gospel. And Paul does such a good job explaining what it's all about and that's what our walk with the Lord is all about is is that and when I opened up Romans 12 I saw how it started and it got my attention I'm just going to read Romans 12 1 and then I'm going to go in what I wanted to share but Romans 12 1 says therefore I urge you brethren in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, as I opened that up, I thought, isn't it strange that Romans opens up with therefore? Well, you know, we've always heard that when the word begins with therefore, we better find out what it is therefore. And so I got into the commentaries and I just looked up the first 12 chapters of Romans. And this is the 14th time out of the New King James Version that the word therefore begins one of the chapters or one of the verses in 
Romans. And so I thought, what better way to go back and review where we've been than to see what all those therefores were there for. And so um, I'll start out and we'll see how far we get. We may not get into the actual into Romans 12 much, but I was just want the review because as I was going through this review, I was having a bad day. Seemed like everything was just pressing in on every side. And I knew I had to get out of the place I was in and get back in the place I needed to be in. I'm sure that never happens to the rest of you, but <clears throat> it happened to me. <clears throat> and so um, I was just hearing negative, negative, negative. You know, you just, so much negative is going on and people call you with negative issues and problems. And I had a bad attitude and so it just kind of crumbled in on me. But anyway, as I got into these therefores, it was like, man, Sharon, you better change your attitude. <clears throat> so anyway, Romans 1, thank you, <laughs> uh, again, but down in room in uh, verses 21 through 22, it's talking about how um, all of the Israelites, they knew God, but they didn't glorify him. They didn't give him thanks. And therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires. So you guys are familiar with that. And then as it goes on down deeper into that chapter, he goes on and explains the homosexual acts, and he goes on and talks about their depraved mind and the things they should not have done. And uh, they were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, all those things, although they knew God, uh, although they know God's righteous decrees that those who does do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but they also approve of those who practice them. So verse uh, 2, 1 says, therefore they have no excuse. And then he goes on and says, you who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge someone else, you condemn yourself. Now, we spent a little bit of time on that because we know that in Romans, it's talking about how the law has nothing to do with us becoming righteous. And that if I judge you, I've put you under the law. So if I put you under the law, I've also put myself under the law. And so anybody who is under the law has to face God's judgment. That's why the only reason the law was given was to expose sin or to show us what sin was. It didn't have power for anything else. And so that's why it is, a, it is the administration of death when you get later on into Romans. And he is talking about the law. It is definitely an administration of death. And we don't want death. And so when Barb was talking about how we can't do anything, this is going to be God that's going to do what is going to happen, we really do have to get ourselves out of the way and allow God to be God. And, and that's hard for some people to do because they're such doers 
that they think they've got to be in the action doing everything. And God wants us sometimes to just sit down, shut up, listen to him, <laughs> and only move when he tells us to move. I was thinking about, um, <clears throat> now I won't remember the first one's name, I never do. But Aaron's two sons that offered the strange fire before God. God hadn't commanded them to go in there. They did their own thing. And by doing their own thing, they were not honoring God. They were not glorifying God. They were doing their own thing. And that's what man has done from the beginning of time, is do his own thing. I don't care how look good it looks. The motivation is self. It's never going to be the motivation is God. And so um, I don't even know why I brought that up, except that it was in our Bible reading, and I just read that the other day. So I thought, God, get us out of the way. Show us how to get out of the way so that we're not doing our own thing. That's what's happened to the revivals that have come previously. God comes and shows up and demonstrates his glory and power. And what does man do? He takes it into his hands and begins to orchestrate it and leaves the Holy Spirit out. And so they, they end up, we only get left with the residue of it, which is, thank God, we at least have that because that unctions us on into what is still ahead. But So anyway, then we go into Romans three nineteen and 20. We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So once again, we are seeing that that righteousness that is deposited to us is not because of anything we do and not because we keep the law, because there's a lot of people who kept the law and didn't know Jesus is not going to make it to heaven. That seems hard to think about, but that's the way it is. So, and I didn't write this word. <laughs> so then it goes on into Romans 4, 14 through 16. For if those who live by the law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. And I think... You know, when you stop and think about God's grace, you just can go on and on and on. It is so endless, his grace. And when you stop and think that we can't do anything, that it's only by grace through faith that any one of us made it to heaven. I mean, this is what Romans is all about. Takes it all off of our shoulders. And all we have to do is say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Okay, so let's jump down to Romans 4, 25, and this will be through 5, 2. And it's talking about Jesus. 
Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, as Paul begins to unfold this, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> it just keeps getting better. So, so now that we know we've been justified, justified through faith, we know then that we have peace with God. Now, I don't know about you, but can you tell when you lose your peace? And you can tell that once you lose your peace, you've also lost God's presence. They just go together. His presence and his peace, they go together. So we have, by faith, gained access to this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I, I just think those are just powerful words. Just powerful words. Paul had a way of putting words together anyway. And I wish we had time to just, I'm just kind of going through what we've already studied, but going through it again like this, it's like we have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for, because our salvation is an awesome, awesome thing. And sometimes I think we take it for granted. I think we just kind of think, well, I'm born again and I'm serving God and I go to church and we kind of stop there. But we haven't even begun to hit the tip of it all. There is so much more. Um, let's see. Okay, so uh, then we go on to where he's talking about the death of Adam and the, and the uh, raising up of Christ and how uh, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all have sinned, and this was before the law was given. And it goes on to say, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ? Now that's in Romans 5. How much more will we, because of the provision of grace, and his gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus. And sometimes when I look at some of the people that I've counseled, not many, but a few, I want them to grasp this truth that because of who they are, they reign in this world. The enemy isn't the one that controls their life. The enemy isn't the one that has the haste say-so over what happens in their life. 
They have authority and therefore they reign. We all need to know that we reign through Jesus Christ. If he overcame the world, we overcome the world. Just like the other day when I was going through my little pity party, the enemy was trying to get my mind on the negative things and he was ruling and he was reigning in my life. I had to change my mind. Barb talked about that when she was giving her little testimony. We have a choice and it's life or death, these choices we make. And I wish that we could see into the spirit realm and realize how many times we choose a death situation rather than the life that God gives us. Her little story was kind of cute because it was just, you know, in a moment, in a flash, she could have been Martha and missed the moment. It was her choice, but she chose to go back and sit at the feet of Jesus and reap what Jesus had for her at that moment. But she could have missed it. We all, I wonder how many times have we missed it because we didn't choose that life situation. I know I have plenty of times. And I look back on them and I think, oh God, why did I allow that when I could have been in your presence. I could have chosen a better way. That choice, if we could only understand how powerful our freedom of choice is, that one sovereign thing that God gave every one of us gives us the power at any given moment to choose our destiny. That's powerful. And how many people they let life happen, happen. They just let life happen, not realizing what they've been given by God when he said, I've given, I've set before you this day blessing and curse, life and death. We can in any given moment make a choice. And how many times do we let the enemy rob us? And so one of the things, and I, I know I sound like I'm kind of sober, and, but I'll tell you what, something has happened here lately that has left such an impact with, with me. I do not want to miss God. I, isn't that what that did to you, Barb? Did that just say, make you feel like, God, I don't know what it's going to take. I just don't want to miss you in the process and how many times we can so easily miss him. If I get caught up too much in busyness, I'll tell you what, my radar to God gets dull. And sometimes we just get too busy. And I have a tendency to be one of those that because there's a chance and an opportunity to be ministering a lot, I can get caught up in that as good as it is, and miss many opportunities I have to just be alone and soak in God's presence. And just sometimes I may not hear anything, but I will say one thing, I am in His presence. I am in that place where I've positioned myself to hear, and maybe I might 
down the road realize why that quiet time was so important. But we need to, as believers, and I'm preaching at this time, make time to get alone with God. Make time. If you're too busy to make time to get alone with God, you are too busy. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and I was getting too busy. And it was all with good stuff. It was all good stuff. Most of it was ministry or counseling or I was on the phone. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Busy, busy. I was here. I was there. I was doing this. I was doing that. All in my Christian walk. All looking so good. But in my rush to be here, there, and everywhere else, trying to accomplish all I felt I needed to accomplish, I was robbing myself of some precious, precious alone time with God. And I just want to emphasize it because you can't get it back. If you let it go, you can't get it back. And I, I sometimes... I'll. I, had, I have someone that calls me and all the time. I hear from her, I'm so sick and tired of being alone. I just can't stand being alone. I don't know what it's like to be alone. I don't. I don't know what it's like. I've always got somebody somehow in my, in my presence or somewhere. I've always got someone. And sometimes I'm saying, God, I just want to be alone with you. So you can see that contrast, how that is. Because those who are alone, you know what? I know you get lonely. I can't, I, I, I mean, I think about Rosemary, but she puts her, her, her time to good use. I will say that. Because I'll talk to her, and either God's talked to her or she's been in the Word or something is going on where she's involved with God. So I think, okay, this other person I talked to, they need to be doing that too. But anyway, I almost envy them because I don't know what that's like. And I don't know why I got off on that tangent except don't ever underestimate how precious and how valuable that alone time is. And I think about Janice. She's got a lot of demands on her life. I don't know. I don't know when she gets alone with the Lord. I know she finds time because the fruit's there. But you have to make time, don't you? So God wakes her up to have time with her. That's a, the, I, I, my time is three, too. It's when God wakes. I think God wakes me up. At least that's when I seem to be awake and my thoughts go to the Lord. In fact, the last few days, I've had several people that have just been on my thought. I woke up, and I must have been praying for you, Rosemary, because I was speaking words over you when I woke up. So our spirit will be in prayer with the Lord. Yeah. In fact, I, I want to pray for you before we leave because I feel like we're supposed to go into that. I, Beth was another one. I had a vision of Beth, and it was at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, I saw her just as clear as could be. It was like, yeah, God's got his hand on that lady. 
She's a precious lady in the Lord. But it's just, I don't want to miss those times now. And if I, if I sleep clear through to like the other morning I slept through, it was, must have been 6 or 6.30, I almost felt cheated because even though I had a few times said, oh, <laughs> it's 3 o'clock, I think I'd like to go back to sleep. Now, because that's happened so much and that's my time, I almost feel cheated if I sleep through it. So precious, precious time with Jesus. There's nothing any greater. I just want to emphasize that. So, okay, I got off on another little tangent, but. All right, where am I? Okay, Romans 6, 3 through 4. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Have you thought about that new life? I'm getting to where I don't take that for granted. We truly are a new creation. We truly do have a new life. We really are raised and seated with him in heavenly places. Our position is high above all the powers and principalities. We should be looking down on them. They should be under our feet. We should be speaking with the authority that we've been given from that position in Christ Jesus. We don't hold that position in the natural. And so if we're walking in the natural, we can't, we're not going to be able to have that victory over the enemy. And so God wants us all to see ourselves in that position of authority where we are far above. And you know... When you can see yourself there and you know you are there, you can really laugh at the enemy. I know that that's something that Ann says every once in a while. I just laugh at him. I just laugh at him. He hasn't got any power over me. We could all laugh at the enemy. That's where, that's where God's positioned. And he laughed and put the enemy in derision. And so I think we could learn to say, ha, 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 you think you got me. No, you don't. No, you don't. We really need to stand in that place of authority and let the enemy know we know who we are and we know where we are at. That position is so important for us to know. Okay. I've talked a lot about reckoning ourselves dead, and we got into that quite a bit in Romans, because we can't die to ourselves. <clears throat> but it is important that we can reckon the old, the old man dead, because if we don't, we will try to act out of that fallen nature instead of out of the nature that God has given us. We truly are righteous. And the enemy wants us to look through the lens of our sinful nature. He wants us to come to God through that lens so that we can't receive 
in the lens of sin and our sin nature, we can't receive what God has for us because we're not seeing ourselves as righteous. Does that make sense? Okay. And you'll hear me hit this quite a bit because I don't know of anyone that hasn't battled with condemnation. Condemnation is one of the first sure signs that you're looking at your perspective to God through that lens of sin consciousness. God does not look at us through a lens of our sinful nature. God looks at us through the lens of Jesus. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees that we said yes to Jesus. And so all that Jesus did has been taken care of and we know he died to sin and so we know we too can die to sin. We reckon it dead. It doesn't just die. We have to reckon it dead. And so I like that word reckon. That means accept the fact that it is. You know, we don't do anything to make it happen. It just is. Okay, that's where we're going next. Romans 6, 10 through 14. The death Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The uh, King James, or the New King James says, reckon yourselves dead. This says, count yourselves dead. And then it says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that your body obeys its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. Now, ponder that for just a few minutes. We're brought to a new life, our new life, a new, a new sense of being in Christ Jesus. The death that was in our sinful nature is gone. We reckon it dead. Otherwise, we cannot offer our body to him as an instrument of righteousness. We've been declared righteous. So why would we offer ourselves as sinful. I guarantee you many of God's people are caught in this snare where they think, oh, I've got to confess all of my sins to God. And they will confess from morning to night, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. The enemy is pointing that finger at every sin that they've ever committed. And we take it on, and we take on the guilt of it, which is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Once we've taken on the guilt and the blame, guess what? We walk in condemnation. And what does Romans say in Romans 8.1? 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, you are not to be walking in condemnation. I want to just drill that, and I think you guys have got a handle on it, but I want to drill that into so many people's heads because they are laden with the debt of their own sin. And Jesus paid that. He paid the debt of our sin. He paid it for us, so we, know we are never going to have to pay it. We do not have to face the wrath of God. Now, you talk about good news. I think, oh, God, I did this. I could sit here and I could count things that I've done that I'm not very pleased about. But that's not what God's looking at and taking account of. He's looking at my heart. And if my heart is after him and he's declared me righteous, that's, that's all I need to think about. And you know, that causes you to love him more. What does the Bible say about love? If you love me, you will obey me. So, obedience is all wrapped up in our love of God. If we love him the way he loves us, if we can go back to him in that same love he loved us with, you can't stand to offend him or his Holy Spirit. You aren't going to want to say a lie. You aren't going to want to do anything to offend or hurt the Holy Spirit. So the law that he wrote on our heart becomes active and it gets carried out in our lives through that love factor. And here we try so hard to put law on people and we put it on ourselves. And we measure people's righteousness by how we think they have lived up to the law. That's why God says don't judge. That's why we don't have a right to judge one another. Because if I look at you and I see, oh, well, she doesn't lie and she doesn't cheat and she doesn't do this and she doesn't do that, and I've measured your righteousness by that. I've measured your righteousness by what I think you've done to keep the law. God knows your heart. And I know people who have had... Uh, situations where they felt like they've had to lie for the preservation of maybe somebody else. I don't know. But God doesn't keep count of that. That's not what he does. He keeps count of where your heart is. And so that's why I believe that when we get to Romans 12.1, we see why that is such an important scripture. Why? Okay. That is all about consecration. It's all about dedication. I can say the words that I give myself to God as a living sacrifice, but it doesn't mean anything if my heart isn't in it and I don't really mean it when I say it. Because we're going to get tested. Life, life is going to test us to see where we are in our faith. Because one of the things that we learned in Romans and I'm just going to throw this out here, is that anything that is not of faith is sin, not because we broke the law. And so that's another reason why no one could make it. 
Faith is where it's all at. The more faith I have in him, the more faith I have to trust him, the more faith I have even to love him, the more I find myself just having the mind of Christ and doing. That's when it becomes natural. I love because it's the natural thing to do, not because I have an obligation to love. So we take that obligation out of, out of it, and it's because we become motivated totally then by the love that he has shown in our heart, and we just desire to show it to everybody else. So, then let's go to Romans 7. I always did love Romans 7 because Paul calls it just like it is, and that's his battle between the law that is in his mind and the sin that is in his flesh and how they battled each other. <laughs> and he says after he has gone through, oh, the very thing that I will to do, that very thing I find that I, don't, I can't do it. And he goes on and on and on. So then he ends up and he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I, with my mind, I'll be a slave to God's law, but in my sin, sinful nature, wait a minute, I said it wrong. But in my sinful nature, I am a slave to the law of sin. But then it goes on in Romans 8, then, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Can you see how it works? You're so quiet. <laughs> You're so quiet. Now I know why Barry says that sometimes on Sunday morning. <laughs> Looking out there, everybody just has this serious look on their face. Let it soak in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then in Romans 8, 9 through 14, it says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now, to me, that is so exciting because that means that he, through the power of his spirit, can make this mortal body be alive. And that's powerful. That is powerful. We have so many benefits just by being a Christian. Wow. Just wow. Hmm. Therefore, brethren, we have no obligation 
to our sinful nature and to live according to it because that's all we knew before Jesus. If you live according to the sinful nature, you die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now I emphasize, if you by the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the true sons of God. So how do you put to death the misdeeds of your body? Anybody want to answer that? Did you say reckon ourselves dead? <laughs> you reckon yourself dead. And, and you know, if you've got the mind of Christ and you love him, the spirit is going to give you the ability to put to death anything that, that needs death put to it. He will. I don't know about you, but um, I can't hardly stand anymore to do things that I could even a year ago. It, it's like, um, or I'll just use this as an example. I was someplace one time, this was several years ago, and someone gave me a little bit too much change. I did not recognize that they had done that till I was in my car and we were ready to go someplace else. And I thought, oh, that's all right. It was just a few cents and I let it go. I just kept it in my purse. But you know, that happened not too long ago and I could not hold on to those, I could not hold on to that. I had to take it back and give it to them and tell them, you just gave me a few, it was only a few cents, but it was a few cents too much. And I went out of the way, my way to make sure that they got that back. So there's how God did a work in me over a long period of time. And I can't get by with what I could get by with years ago. I can't get, I just can't. So that's a work God has done in me. It's not a work I did in myself. And so that's the spirit that helps you to put to death those things that we, yeah. Attitudes, you guys. Attitudes. I, um, I don't know. I don't have some of the attitudes I used to have. I find out now they're different in a different area. <laughs> a whole different set of circumstances have created different kind of attitudes. So God is having to do a work in me on some attitudes. So I'm walking in some places that I've never walked in before. And I'm being challenged in a few areas that I've not been challenged in before. And so I'm recognizing areas that I really need God's help in, in keeping me even keel. So Janice knows about them, but everybody doesn't. So, <laughs> And you know what? Some, some situations can be very trying. People can be very trying. I have more patience now than I used to have. But let's just say, let's just say there's somebody that comes into your presence that just rubs you the wrong way. 
Do you think that's by accident? <laughs> it's not by accident. Somebody rubs me the wrong way and I find myself getting irked about it, guess what? God's after something in me. And, you know, I've, I've spent time in God's presence where I've said, Okay, God, I know that you're after something. You have to show me what it is. Sometimes it's totally out of sight. You don't even realize what it is. Sometimes you can find that it, it was has to do with somebody in your past. Sometimes it has to do with um, uh, where you're at right now in life and just circumstances that don't seem to measure up to what you think they should be. There's a lot of things that can stick us and we say, ouch. And those are the areas that God says, okay, let's Let's dig in here and find out what's behind this so that we can be healed and we can walk in that place God's calling us to walk. I'll tell you guys, I've been through a lot of healing and it's been a progressive thing for years and years and I haven't arrived yet. And I don't know that the day will ever come that I have arrived because I got this stinking natural man that wants to come off the sacrifice, sacrificial altar every once in a while and act up. But I want to encourage you, don't stay in a frenzy. Don't stay where your attitude is keeping you angry. Don't stay where you know you're off. Because if you do, it gets added to. And pretty soon you find, wait a minute, where's God? I know from my own experience. We want God constantly. I've got to have God every minute of the day. I'm just going to tell you that I do. Every moment of the day, every breath I take, I have to have Him. I don't trust me for a minute. I'll mess it up if I try. If I try I'll mess it up. And I need Him. And I don't, and I think he wants to be needed. I really believe that. Don't you think he does? And so we've got to get rid of our self-sufficiency that makes us think that we can overcome or that we can become. And one of the things, and I can say this honestly in counseling that happens, is I run across so many people that are trying so hard to change their behavior rather than letting God change their heart. There's a big difference. I want God to change my heart. Modifying my behavior, all it does is it looks outwardly like I'm a better person. That doesn't do a thing to make me any better on the inside. God is always after our heart. And I see a lot of, quote, religious people who are caught in this trap, that outwardly they appear to have it all together, to be these great spiritual prayer warriors, whatever. And I'm not talking about you. 
right. I know where God's in on me. I can feel it. <laughs> Not at all. And honestly, it is religion. No wonder Jesus came to destroy the religious system because it stinks. There isn't even any other word for it. It isn't reality. It isn't God. God isn't in it. It's us trying to be something that we can't be, and only God can make us to be any of it. He, I mean, it's all God. It's God is the author, and he is the finisher of my faith. I'm not. So getting back to what Barb, I, I remember that in, in her, uh, you was really crying out to God. God, what, what does this mean? How, how, do I, how do we do this? How do we do this? And he kept saying, he's going to do it. And there's a temptation to think, okay, why don't, we, why don't we fast? And why don't we pray? And why don't we, you know, all at once our mind wants to go into action. It's fine to do that if God's saying to do that. But if he's not saying to do that, ask yourself, okay, is this just me thinking that if I get into religious works, I'm going to move the hand of God? As if we think we can move it. <laughs> I know I'm being kind of tough today, but I've been, I've been around for a lot of years and I've done a lot of dumb, stupid stuff, all in the name of Christianity. And I want the real deal. I'm just telling you, I don't want any of the fake stuff. Um, I had someone ask me the other day uh, because I was going to call them back and I didn't. And it was when I was going through a lot of this stuff. And I told them, I said, I knew if I called you, I would be saying this and this and this, and I would be acting in a way so you didn't really know what was going on inside of me. And I said, I can't do that anymore because it's fake. I'm fake. I'm being fake. Why God is doing that now, I don't know. But I'm in a place right now where I can't stand fake. Anything that is not the real deal, I don't want it. I want the real deal. <laughs> I can't, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, I know it's something God's doing in me, and I'm not trying to put it on anybody else. So don't you take it on just because I'm talking about it. But I'm finding myself now, if somebody asks me how I am, it's okay to say I'm okay. And it's okay to, to say that I'm in God's hands. It's okay to say I'm blessed. All those things are okay. But I, I'm not going to lie to you anymore. And I've done a lot of just appearing to be so together when I'm not together, okay? So I'm just making a confession today. <laughs> we need to be able to pick that up in the Spirit with one another, and we don't always do that. Um, yeah, uh, I just want you guys to know I'm under construction and <laughs> God's doing a deep work in me at the present time. And so I'm t I, I don't know whether you just want to call it tender or, or what it is, but it's, it's just this place I am with God right now that um, 
I want him to do what he wants to do and I want to get to the other side and uh, I know there's victory. There's victory. We're all headed in the right direction. Some of us are going to see victory faster than others. Um, I'm asking God to increase my faith. I'm asking God to constantly remind me of who I am because I was catching some real negative things coming on not very long ago. And we live them. You know, we don't stop and think, oh, wait a minute, that was negative. Why would I do that? Why would I say that? I know not very long ago, Janice and I kind of had a conversation about taking ownership of sickness. Like I, I have a sore throat or I have this or I have that. Why are we doing that? We're not supposed to own that. We're not supposed to take possession of it. God's teaching us to order our conversation aright because if we order our conversation aright and it's in, it's in, in alignment with his word, then he can take those words and he can do what he wants to do with them. But how many times do I negate what God wants to do by what comes out of my own mouth? So we're, we're in the school of the Holy Spirit, but we need to be careful what comes out of our mouth because our words are just as creative as God's words were because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so what I say matters. And what it's wanting to do is make me shut my mouth. <laughs> okay, I'm just throwing stuff out here, you guys. I don't know whether God's using it in, with you or not, but we do need to be careful. I know people that can talk, 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 and say nothing. <laughs> God, I don't want to be that way. I want words to count. And there's a scripture, I don't know whether there's a scripture or not, but I think that a, that a wise man is a man of few words. And it's because we don't need all the time to say all that we say. Amen. What are we trying to do with our words? Are we trying to convince somebody of something? Are we trying to be heard? I mean, I could go on and on, all kinds of things. Um, I ask God a lot of questions. I don't know if you guys do, but I do. And there's a few situations you rise, that rise up even in counseling. And I, of course, you ask yourself, okay, God, how do we deal with this? And how do we deal with this? I don't have all the answers, but I'm asking God to show them. Because sometimes a session can be totally taken up with empty words and then God didn't get accomplished what God wants to do. And so we need wisdom in counseling, right, Janice? <laughs> On how to get to the point, how to do what God wants to do. God can do it. I'll tell you what, I don't know how many of you we're ministering in healing rooms Sunday night. But it was, to me, it was awesome. 
It was just, uh, it was just, I know I was ministering with Barb. Isn't it neat how God moved? It was just like the people came in and they, they left. And God accomplished what he wanted to do. I think you said that on yours yeah. too. He didn't take an hour. 14 people. Yeah. That is so nice. That's the most you've had in a long time. Yeah, we had a full night. We had. I kept going up. Yeah. It was just wild. It was, but it was it was a good night. Everyone said the same thing. It was a good night. And I loved it because I enjoyed ministering with Barb. She just it was just a good night. It just was. And um I feel like God's trying to teach all of us. I can do what just like that, what takes you hours to just maneuver through with words. Isn't that the truth? Okay, so we need wisdom. And I don't know why I got off on that. I really don't. I honestly don't. Okay, I'm about ready to, to finish to get up to, to Romans 12 here. All right. Okay, Romans 9 8 through 9 says, It is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. And not only that, and he, he comes on in here with the story of Rebecca's children. Uh, <laughs> they were twins, and you know who they were, Jacob and Esau. Before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told that the older would serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? And he says, I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. It does not, therefore, depend on man's desire or effort, but it depends on God's mercy. And I think there again that we need to remember, if somebody is chosen to do a certain thing, they're chosen just because of God's mercy and he decided to choose them for a specific thing, it doesn't mean you're left out either. And we need to remember, I mean, I, I think about um, a lot of people who have talked about uh, wanting to be like a certain minister. No, don't, don't want to be like a certain minister. Because they were called and chosen for what they were called and chosen to do. And if you tried to do that, you'd mess up. So you do what God's called you and chosen you to do. And then you'll be fine. I don't care what it is, whether it is to be an intercessor in a closed closet where nobody sees you, or whether you're out in the limelight where you draw thousands and thousands of people. It's the same God. His mercy is the same to each one of us, and it doesn't make one any better than another. And when that's something that we all need to learn is that nobody's in competition with anyone else in the Spirit. There are no superstars in the Spirit. There isn't one better than another in the spirit. In fact, there's a lot of scriptures that talks about showing honor to the weaker one. Mm 
for the sake of the whole body. And that is because God wants his body to be one of love. He wants it to be one that reaches out. And that weak one will get stronger. But how does it get stronger if it does not have any honor? And so we're going to be learning a lot as we come into chapter 12 because it is a, it's pretty much a relational chapter. And the very first uh, verse, of course, has to do with our relationship with God. So I'm going to go on um, Romans 11, talking about how just as we were at one time disobedient to God and have now received mercy as a result of, now this has to do with uh, how they, um, God first called the Israelites, and then the Gentiles got brought in, and he made the Israelites jealous by bringing the Gentiles in, hoping that that would turn them around and make them want what we have. So anyway, so they too now have become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has, abound all, has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on all of them. And then this is the part that leads us into chapter 12. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And then you go into Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So all of those previous therefores are the reason why we should willingly, happily, and with the greatest desire make ourselves a living sacrifice to him. And it's going to be our bodies. It's going to be our mind or our soul because that's where our choices are. And so we need to give him our choices. We need to give him uh, our behavior. And it's going to happen that we get uh, more and more mature as we allow him to renew our minds as we get into his word. And so just out of curiosity, are, is anyone in here having trouble reading the word? Because I've, I've bumped into a couple of people that say, I get in it, it I just don't understand it, I can't, it seems like it's a shut book to me. Are you beginning to... You don't have that. You mean reading the Old Testament? The Any of stuff? it. Any of it. Oh, the Old Testament? <laughs> <laughs> the Old Testament doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> Some of it doesn't because 
I, I have trouble staying focused anymore. I'm going to start taking this brain memory pill. I don't know what it is, but to keep staying focused. I mean, I used to hunger and couldn't get out of the word. Uh-huh. Because now it's like get distracted, get, you know. Right. I know what you're saying. Yes. Well, have, all of you go to, to New Point. So have you had struggles in reading the Old Testament? Yeah. You know, as you read it, I think you're going to find out, wow, no wonder God wanted us to see we couldn't do it. I mean, really, there's no way. I mean, just think of what the priests had to go through. Just think about, just think about, just think about the offerings, those sacrificial offerings. All I could think about was, Holy moly, look at all the blood. I mean, there were 655,000 people. And they all brought offerings, sacrificial offerings. All I could think about was all the blood. But they couldn't help but see the blood, could they? And all of the, all the rules and regulations, there's just no way you could even keep up with them. And you couldn't be a priest if you had so much as a pimple, a blemish, a mole, or, <laughs> or anything on your skin. Oh. It was more of a thank you, you know. So to me, it hit me that way. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I got to thinking <laughs> I'd been dead. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking about Aaron's sons, you know, when they went in and they did that profane fire and God shot fire at them and killed them. And then he didn't allow Aaron to put the cloak of grief over his head. I thought those was his two sons. But it was because they went in there on their own. They did not go in there with the right motive. That was the religious spirit right there. And uh, Moses said, because you are to enter into that place and honor God and glorify God, it is a sacred thing. Well, it wasn't sacred to them. So... I mean, you know, you pick up all these little things along the way, but I'm so glad that we're under the New Covenant <laughs> and the New Testament. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to, uh, let's close in prayer, and then um, if anybody needs prayer, we can pray for them. So, Father, we just praise you and thank you for your word. God, I think I'm speaking for everyone here today. God, as we get in your word, we know it is that double two-edged sword that can divide and can separate between spirit, soul, body, even the marrow of our bones. 
God, we ask that you would do that work in each one of us that will cause us, God, to come to you with such love. God, we don't have the capacity to love you like you love us, but we ask that the love that you've loved us with will flow through us back to you in such a way that, God, we can't stand to sin against you. God, cause each one of us to fall in love with you in a way that our love will become so passionate that you are always on our mind, that our thoughts are always there, that we are aware, just like Pastor Jim wrote in that uh, thing that uh, uh, Barb read this morning, awareness of you at all times, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, that that awareness will keep our thoughts so focused on you that the enemy can't find a place in any one of us. God, we willingly today say that we place ourselves as a living sacrifice on your altar because, God, we want ourselves consecrated to you in a new way, in a way, God, that will make us so obedient to you because of love, not because of obligation, not because of duty, not because we feel we have to do it. But God, we come running after you because it's the desire of our heart to not only love you, but to know all that we can find out about you. God, open our hearts, open our ears. Give us the revelation and understanding we need to behold you in a fresh new way. God, we desire to be the living sacrifice just like Isaac was. He went willingly to the altar and in the process, he died to his own self and became one of the greatest patriarchs in the Bible. And so, God, that's what we desire for ourselves, is that, God, we can be your disciples, ones that you can look down on and say, well done, my good and faithful servants, because, God, our motivation has been totally for you, not anything we do for ourselves. So we commit ourselves today, afresh and anew, to you, and we ask that your word do that work in us to renew our minds and to cause us to have the very mind of Christ. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.